Good morning and welcome to the annual FS and WRAM Ag Appreciation Breakfast in partnership with GNM Distributors, the Warren County Prime Beef Festival, the Warren Henderson Farm Bureau, the American Legion, and M&E Catering. Big round of applause for Becky, Tiffany, and Leanne from M&E Catering for our breakfast this morning. Well, welcome to the Monmouth American Legion. Our coverage today is brought to us by Growmark FS, Midwest Bank, Big River Resources, Elliott Brothers Seed Company, Monmouth College, OSF Holy Family Medical Center, Martin Tractor Incorporated, a. Eugene Miller Agency, Compere Financial, and Stone Seed Company, Josh Oaks. Let's begin with today's blessing. Please welcome Pastor A.J. Reynolds with High Point Church in Monmouth. Thanks, Vanessa. Since we've already enjoyed our breakfast, we might as well bless it, right? right? Let's pray. Father God, thanks so much for this morning. God, thanks for the community that we live in. God, thanks for this time for us to be able to gather together and commit, um, God, this harvest season to you. Where, when strength is weak, Father, would you be our strength? Um, in the times where it feels like time is short, God, the long hours of work are piling on. Father, would you bring protection? Ultimately, God, for these farming families, God, would you do what you promised? God, would you bring the harvest? Love you. It's in your son's Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you. AJ Reynolds with us from High Point Church. Okay. Now, if you can, uh, please stand if you're able to and remove your hats. Kelsey's going to get the lights. It's the singing of our national anthem, courtesy of your Monmouth Roseville Madrigal Singers. Monmouth Roseville Madrigal Singers, led by Kevin Ferry, also Kendra Cole with us this morning, and Principal Jeff Ewing. One last round of applause for our singers. Okay, one announcement to be made this morning. On your tables, you'll see a topper. Here's Jeannie Robeson. Good morning. I want to be sure to invite 
each and every one of you to Monmouth College Monday night for the Wiswell Robeson Lecture. Mike Adams will be speaking at 7.30 in the Dahl Auditorium. Please come. I think you'll find it interesting. I would love to see some FFA kids there with their jackets on. So please think about coming. Thank you, Jean. Okay, a couple recognition things this morning. We certainly want to recognize the efforts, uh, hard work, and determination of the Prime Beef Festival Board. They are here this morning. Big thanks to Mackenzie Slish, Matt Lovedall, Aubrey McVeigh, Josh Oaks. Where are you guys at this morning? In the back. Thank you very much, guys. You're doing a great, great job. Also want to thank, uh, thank you. Our Warren County Prime Beef Royal Court is here this morning. That includes your queen, Malia Killy. Addison Schweitzer. Molly Matten. And Paige Richardson. Also, we enjoy seeing our FFA chapter officers here this morning. We have United FFA. Where are you at, United? Good morning. And they are led by Ag Instructor Tiffany McCulloch, also Monmouth Roseville FFA chapter officers. Where are you guys at? Good morning. And uh, they are led, of course, by Jason Kilburn, their Ag Instructor. Also, we have our Warren Henderson Farm Bureau guest, Mr. Ken McMillan is here somewhere. Good morning, Ken, and, and thanks to our Farm Bureau. Good morning. Our Farm Bureau, Jared Kunkel, Gina Sandberg, they are all out getting ready for Kids Day, uh, for Ag Day for our kids over at Fairview Center United Methodist Church. So good morning to them on the air. GNM distributors, Ron Bolivar and Chris Ashby are longtime partners with this breakfast. 28 years, guys, good morning. Also this morning, you have your firefighters have been here, so we thank them uh, very much. Also our police department, uh, we have Monmouth Police Chief Joe Schweitzer and Monmouth Fire Chief Casey Rexrock. Good morning, gentlemen. And uh, we also have uh, Mayor Rod Davies here with us who will introduce our legislators. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. And your Warren County Sheriff Martin Edwards is also here this morning. Good morning, Sheriff. And our legislators who will be speaking here uh, coming up in a little bit, we have Senator Neil Anderson. Good morning. I do believe uh, he just got off his shift as a firefighter, so thanks for spending the day with us. Also, we have State Representative Noreen Hammond. Good morning, Noreen. And State Representative Dan Swanson. Good morning, Dan. And from the Warren County Fair, look who came in this morning. We have those fair queens. That includes your queen, Maddie Blazing, Charlie Russell, and Ainsley Rundle. So thanks, ladies, for being here. Hopefully you've registered for the gifts. We've been very blessed with a lot of gifts this year. We appreciate that very much. And um, we're going to go ahead and get started with everything this morning. I will bring uh, our correspondent from WRAM and past United FFA chapter president, Elena Alleman. Where is Elena? She will introduce our keynote speaker this morning.
Good morning, all. I'm excited to welcome our keynote speaker this morning. She has earned a degree in environmental policy from St. Louis University. She then went on to graduate from Southern Illinois University Carbondale Law in 2006 and is currently based in Bloomington, Illinois, where she serves as the Illinois Farm Bureau Director of Environmental Policy and Governmental Affairs and has held that position since May 2013. In this position, she's responsible for advocating on behalf of the organization in the promulgation, implementation, and enforcement of environmental regulation impacting Illinois agriculture. Please join me in welcoming Lauren Lurkins. Thank you, thank you. You got the good bio. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, like the intro said, my name is Lauren Lurkins and I work for Illinois Farm Bureau. I'm actually uh, live down in Bloomington, so it was an early morning for me. Um, and I always have to start this, um, this kind of conversation by completely being very honest. I actually did not grow up on a farm. Uh, my dad was a prison guard in Southern Illinois. So um, I actually purposefully chose to get a law degree and come work on environmental issues for agriculture. So um, hopefully you find this topic just as exciting as I do. Um, it's kind of some bad news for the farmers in the room whenever I go through this, this list. But, um, but to start, I only have about 15 minutes, so there are quite a few issues. I've only chosen the top four um, environmental policy issues to kind of update you all on. So if you have additional questions, please feel free to, um, to, to reach out. I also brought with me a couple of these handouts. They should be on your, um, on your tables. If you did not get one, we have more up front. Um, and, and this is just an update on on all of the issues that we work on at the federal and state level. Um, I know that, that we have a lot of Illinois Farm Bureau members in the room, but if you could raise your hand, please, please do. Thank you to all of you for your membership and with a, a membership at Illinois Farm Bureau that comes with a lot of volunteer opportunities. So for those of you who take advantage of those opportunities, thank you very much. And thank you to all of our members that are listening in um, to the broadcast as well. Uh, we work really hard for you at the county level, at the state level, and then all the way um, in DC to make sure that your voice is represented, but we cannot do that as staff without our farmer members and leaders, so thank you. Um, but you heard a little bit about my background you know how I grew up um, but I, I do focus my entire 16-year career on environmental law and policy so before coming to Farm Bureau where I've been here for nine years I worked as a lawyer in a, in a, in a law firm in our state capital um, representing a number of industries some included ag retail um, and farmers but mostly other industries trying to comply um, and understand really the environmental laws that we have in our our state and in our country and those as we know are always changing either with what's happening um, in Springfield um, or what's happening in DC and with environmental issues that actually all kind of jumbles together and creates the world in which our farmers and ranchers across the country and certainly in our state have to operate so that's our job at the Illinois Farm Bureau to show up and be present in those discussions with lawmakers and regulators to make sure that that the common sense if at all possible as part of those discussions. So we do thank our friends here in the room who work alongside our state lobbying team in Springfield. Um, your names come up very frequently and we appreciate the partnership. Um, I spend my time um, as a staff person at Illinois Farm Bureau working with about three sets of, of primary audiences. Um, the first is obviously our farmer members, either phone calls or meetings or you know teams and Zoom meetings listening to the issues that are out there on 
on the, the landscape and then kind of sharing that information back and forth. Our phones are always open. We can always have these conversations and I, I would love to hear your comments um, along the way this morning. I also spend a great deal of time talking to our regulatory agencies, those folks that work at you know, the Illinois Department of Agriculture, Illinois EPA, and then our folks in DC as well through USDA and US EPA. There's a lot of opportunities um, to be parts of, of uh, advisory committees and things that touch the farm, particularly within EPA that we've had a lot of opportunities. Not all of those conversations go the way that we want them to, but, but we can make a difference through multiple administrations and multiple people in those chairs. And so, you know, it's it's really great to, to work for an organization like Illinois Farm Bureau to have those opportunities. Um, and, and you know, the, the final thing is really we spend quite a, a bit of time in, in my job in particular working with academia, with our, our universities across Illinois. I um, grew up in the southern part of the state, so I we partner a lot with SIU Carbondale. Um, but I have spent the last three days of this week on campus at the University of Illinois, where we're, we're partnering with researchers on um, climate science and solar panels and how to continue, you know, crop land if we're going to have solar on the farm. Um, so we have a lot of work to do to, to talk with our, our academic community, make sure that they understand the concerns and the perspective of our farmers across the state and that they can actually translate that into scientific research in a bunch of areas. So that's just an example of the last two days um, and, and, and that collaboration that happens. And it's really exciting because those collaborations for the first time in a couple years are happening in person, which we all know that that can go a lot further to building those relationships. Um, but I, I work on a variety of issues, fertilizer, pesticide, livestock, climate change, um, pollinators. Um, but today I'm going to focus on, on really the top four areas. And those are number one, water quality. Number two, uh, the environmental aspects of our livestock operations, three, climate change, and four, pesticides. So if that didn't make you run out of the room, um, please sit tight and, and you can hear, um, you know, sort of the, the, the top highlights so that you can be the hit at your next party um, and that you can actually understand um, these issues that the Illinois Farm Bureau is working on with and for our farmer members. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get started talking about water quality. Years ago, um, we had a guidance memo from the US EPA and USDA um, that talked about the Gulf of Mexico. It was geared at states all across our country. We have about 30-something states that ultimately discharge into the Gulf, um, but a main focus on the I states here in the upper Mississippi River Basin. Um, the focus was really reducing our nitrate and our phosphorus losses that leave and go through our water system into the Gulf of Mexico. You may recall that about 100 years ago, we also reversed the flow um, of, the, of the, uh, the Chicago River, and it also does not go toward Lake Michigan. It also leaves and goes toward the Gulf of Mexico. So my joke is, and since most of you are done eating your breakfast, I can say, if you flush your toilet in the state of Illinois, you actually are impacting eventually the water quality in, um, in the Gulf of Mexico, because all of our wastewater, um, in the Chicagoland area and otherwise will eventually make its way to our river system. So it is truly not just an issue that farmers have to deal with and reducing your, your 
nitrate and your phosphorus um, leaving that the farm fields but it truly is an issue that applies to urban areas urban suburban lawns and also our major metropolitan areas in the Chicago land area and I think it's a pretty positive um, story actually in the state of Illinois that we have been working collectively across multiple sectors environmental groups ag groups wastewater treatment plants um, drinking water supplies and academia all working under the guidance of our Illinois EPA and Illinois Department of Ag so that we can maybe look at non-regulatory approaches to to continuing to reduce our losses of course our, our wastewater treatment plants are regulated they are a heavily regulated industry. We are focusing in, on the ag side and voluntary incentive-based con conservation, um, either at the federal level or the state level. And we do have that freedom to continue to operate in that capacity. So from an Illinois Farm Bureau perspective, we started these meetings back in 2013 as just one of the stakeholders in the room. Um, that was about day two on the job for me at the time. Um, and I thought, oh man, this is like the issue um, to, to, to really, to tackle within agriculture and my senior year in college at st louis university I actually did a presentation on gulf hypoxia and non-point or point source um, contributions in water little did i know i would be spending the rest of my career doing that so that's just something for the students in the room you never know about the things that you learn and how you're really going to dig into that um, into the future um, but we have a really positive story to tell of collaboration um, of of really positive positive uh, partnerships that have come across sectors in Illinois. From the Illinois Farm Bureau perspective, we have invested close to $3 million now um, in implementing this strategy. We focus on education and outreach. We focus on helping our researchers. We focus on on-farm implementation. And then we obviously tell that story um, to the media to uh, elected officials and to those regulatory agencies that exist in Springfield and in DC. And the Farm Bureau is not alone in taking this issue on. Um, with For the Ag Community, we also have obviously our, our commodity groups who are very invested and we also have some conservation groups um, that are farmer focused that are all doing their part. Um, so that's a huge issue, but one that actually I think is fairly positive. Um, the other thing that is exciting for the state of Illinois is that back Back in um, 2012, there was a change to the Illinois Fertilizer Act where um, we established the Illinois Nutrient Research and Education Council. So farmers, thank you pay a dollar per ton of fertilizer sold in the state that leaves state government and goes back into investing in research within our state universities to help find out more about what the science can show us on how we can actually take on practices to, to reduce our nutrient losses, but also they do impact um, our role in climate change too, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So that has been something that when you look across our country, that is a shining star um, for Illinois agriculture and a pretty good deal when you think about um, the investment um, from, from the part of the state. Um, those issues also play out at the federal level. I have an opportunity to lead a national coalition of agricultural groups um, called the Ag Nutrient Policy Council, where we engage um, very frequently with US EPA and USDA political leadership through multiple administrations, talking about um, how, how agriculture is viewed under the Clean Water Act and also our farm bill conservation programs. That has been very important the last couple years, as you know. Um, but 
But we are about to celebrate the 50th anniversary um, of the Clean Water Act in our country. And for a nerdy environmental lawyer like myself, that's actually a pretty cool thing to celebrate. You all probably had no idea, which is, again, back to how this will help you be the most popular person at your next party. Um, but it is very important to see how our water quality has changed in this country because of the Clean Water Act. So we are working with US EPA to do an event in DC in December to celebrate the role that agriculture has played as a non-regulated aspect of the Clean Water Act that is really that, that voluntary conservation. So look for some additional information about that. Again, just an example of how we work hard every day to sort of worm our way into these conversations and make sure that, that people all across our country are aware of the good work that happens on the farm to date and the work that continues to happen each day. Um, no, no water quality conversation would be complete, though, without mentioning um, our favorite topic in agriculture, which is the waters of the US. Um, it is a regulatory effort always underway, it seems. We were having a discussion before about this ping-ponging um, back and forth. This is something that is not legislative, though. And, and we're talking about stuff at the federal level. It is not legislative. We're not talking about a legislative change to the Clean Water Act. We're always sort of working within the regulatory world, which is slow. And the last couple administrations have taken on this idea of rewriting the regulations, which takes a very long time if you follow the, the proper pro process. So what's happening now under um, this current administration is a rewrite of the rules away from what we saw under the Trump administration. It's a, it's a two-part in theory, and we are smack dab in the middle of the first part and the second part. The, the, most, ex the, the most important question that we have before us is what jurisdiction would, would belong to our Army Corps of Engineers and the US EPA to regulate water across our country. And in some cases, absolutely dry land most of the time. It is a huge issue, one that can very much change the world of our row crop and livestock farmers across our state and our country. So we have engaged in it pretty historically. Um, you may remember back in 2014, we had a campaign that we called Ditch the Rule. Um, that was under the Obama administration. Just for, um, for your information, I have a sign in my office that says ditch the rule from that campaign. I, I have a sticky note on it that says it's still time <laughs> to ditch the rule because it's going to be this forever conversation that we're having. The, the thing to look for right now, though, is not the rulemaking process before the agencies, but the action before um, the U.S. Supreme Court. They are scheduled to have oral argument in a very important case called the Sackett case out of the state of Idaho that will very much determine what that, that call on jurisdiction is. So those oral arguments happen October 3rd. Again, you're going to be the biggest hit at your next party because you're tracking these very important issues. All right, moving away from water, I do want to touch on the second topic here, which is livestock. I know um, it's a, a very keen topic in this area of the state, as with many others. Um, for years and years and years, we have had um, environmental groups challenging our livestock uh, industry across our country for a lot of reasons. Um, that is always continuing, although about 10 to 12 years ago now in the state of Illinois, we had our environmental groups challenge um, our federal EPA and say, you know what, US EPA, we don't think Illinois EPA is doing enough to regulate livestock. We want you to take their ability to regulate away, um, which, you know, we, we talk about regulation a lot in agriculture 
agriculture, um, it's much easier to find that person at our Illinois EPA to talk to and to sit down with than it is someone in the US EPA. So we would prefer that delegated authority to land here in the state. Um, but, but we do still have um, quite a bit of things that are happening within the environmental world to impact livestock. Um, we have a, a set of rules that were updated to match the federal rules and finalized back in 2014. Um, we have an uptick, and this is my main point in sharing information today. We have an uptick in inspections happening through our Illinois EPA across our state. Um, that's a little bit of COVID delay um, because they couldn't get out into the countryside. But we have been hearing from farmers who have never had an EPA inspection before for small, medium, and larger operations. And so I'm not here to, to tell you that, um, to intimidate anyone, but just to let you know that actually we do have resources to help people as they're getting ready for those inspections. We have special information for dairy, um, for beef, and for pork producers. So if you have an interest in, in knowing a little bit about um, that information, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Um, again, we just want to help people understand the rules so that they can ensure compliance and make that day as smooth as possible. Um, and then um, there is this other issue out here that you all have probably read about, which I normally would not talk about something happening in California here in Illinois, um, but that issue is actually Prop 12, Proposition 12, which was something that was on the California ballot um, a couple years ago, but actually can impact um, to a very large degree our pork production here in the state of Illinois. Um, and so we have been partnering with our Illinois Pork Producers Association and all of the other commodity groups. Um, but really at the national level, you've got American Farm Bureau and National Pork taking the lead um, to challenge um, that, that proposition out of the state of California. We've had to, you know, I'm gonna tie that back to Illinois because we've had some, some conversations with our own Attorney General's office in Springfield because they actually happen to disagree with us on this issue um, and in fact are siding with the state of California. So we've had some conversations about um, the impact of, of that proposition in a different state on our industry, and I'm sure we'll continue. So that is also something that's happening um, before our US Supreme Court and is um, a very interesting topic. Um, third is a, a one that I could frankly spend about four hours talking about, and that is climate change and the conversations that have been happening around climate smart ag, USDA, and this entire um, administration at the federal level. Um, when it comes down to the farm, though, we know that the, the practices that are focused most in these conversations are not new practices to our farmers, whether you call them climate smart, sustainable, regenerative ag. Um, we're really just talking about no-till, strip-till, cover crops, nutrient management, for the most part in these policy discussions. You know about many more things that you can do on the farm um, to sequester carbon in your soils and, and save um, the planet, um, but that seems to be those the, that that small list of things that other people are interested in. But through the presidential campaign and into this current administration, we knew that climate change was going to be an issue, and it certainly has. Um, whether you're seeing um, you know movement um, on the hill talking about on-farm conservation or energy and all of the climate change discussions, or if you're seeing agencies move on their own um, at the federal level to to put money out, and so. 
it has been really um, a, a wild ride in the world of on-farm conservation in the name of climate change for um, the last several months. Um, the good thing is, though, that in my view, that this is a different climate change conversation as it touches ag than it was a couple decades ago. We're not talking about regulating agriculture to solve um, global climate change issues. Um, the conversation, whether it's corporate America or our government, is seeing you as a potential solution. So the devil is in the details. We have to figure that out. But that is a huge, huge change for the positive. And that means that people are listening to the track record of agriculture to really do what needs to be done to benefit either water quality uh, or, or carbon. Um, so the most recent thing um, I think to highlight is really um, the investment out of the Inflation Reduction Act, and that ends up being about $19.5 billion for conservation that actually is spending outside of our normal farm bill um, uh, conversation. So we are getting ready to start farm bill negotiations in D.C., so that will be a little bit different than historically we have seen because that investment in conservation has just um, actually started before those conversations even happened. Um, you also had something that rolled out of, of USDA NRCS um, back in the summer, an opportunity for $1 billion worth of Climate Smart Ag grants. Um, there were like two, two cutoffs there. Um, this is anyone in the country who wants to work in this space. Um, they ended up getting over $18 billion worth of asks for $1 billion. Um, we did at the Illinois Farm Bureau end up partnering on a proposal with the University of Illinois not to look at carbon markets because that's an issue that um, we could talk a, a long time about. Um, but we are actually looking at a premium on grain for folks that are using these climate smart practices to produce corn and soybeans. And so we really hope we get funded, although it seems to be fairly competitive across the country. Um, either way, we were on campus talking about how to how to make that work anyway. Um, so, so a lot of things happening in the name of climate change, but also the main point I want to leave you with is that there's a lot of opportunity on the farm to look at additional funding. We always say when we look at either our state or federal conservation programs, it's not that they're not in demand. There's always far more demand in this state than there is money to go around. So um, it will be very interesting to see how that gets delivered out in the countryside. Um, and then the fourth issue that I want to talk about is our crop protection and our pesticide products. It seems to me, I don't know about the farmers in the room, but as the environmental person that works on these issues, it seems like every time I open my computer, I'm learning about another decision out of either our federal court system, mostly in the state of California, or our US EPA that impacts the tools that our farmers have available to them to to control weeds, and that is very concerning to us. Um, so EPA obviously has the authority here under federal law, um, but our State Department of Agriculture has a role here as well. They license people to um, apply pesticides, as most of you already know. Um, they register products for use, and then they also handle our misuse complaint process in the state of Illinois. So we are seeing a lot of changes um, product by product and a lot of concern, frankly, from the general public who is working from home more often and seeing aerial application and tractors in the field and, and also listening to what's in on social media and on the news and, and the lawyer commercials that say, you know, call us if you feel like you've been impacted. And there's a, a great concern about pesticide use in the general public now. So we have a, a very big responsibility within agriculture to make 
make sure that people know how our farmers responsibly use these products and how they are important for your bottom line um, and, and how, how they're, they're important actually for any goals we want to meet on water quality, any goals we want to meet on climate change. If we take away products like, say, atrazine, we will not have the, the tillage practices that we have on the ground now. And so we have multiple conversations um, with US EPA about that. The big products uh, right now um, that are under discussion are dicamba, atrazine, and glyphosate for the sake of, of what we have here to talk about today. Um, with regard to atrazine, um, I will say that we are in the middle of a public comment period. Um, we have a call to action to our members to put in a comment to US EPA. So if you're interested in letting US EPA know how you feel about the importance of a product like atrazine to be available for your use, um, you, you can be part of that action request. We're about 1,800 farmers from Illinois already in the docket, and all you would do is text atrazine to 52886, and that'll send you into the docket. That'll be open till October 7th. But what we're seeing here are, are a new EPA approach to pesticide use while thinking about water quality, pollinators, and endangered species. So you start to see labels. If you thought a pesticide label was confusing today, it's about to get more confusing when you think about a pick list of opportunities and the record keeping that has to, has to sort of follow along. So that issue keeps us busy product by product and at the federal and the state level. Um, but please feel free to, to join in um, on that action request on the one particular product at the moment. Um, I, I will say that's the top of, of my four issues for now. I don't want to go over any more time. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to share. It's sort of like counseling for me. I share with you these issues that we're working on that concern us um, and that, that we take very seriously and, and advocate on behalf of our farmers. So with that, I'll stop um, and see if there's any time for any questions. Wendell. <laughs> Thank you, Wendell. I didn't even pay him to say that, but I very much appreciate that. Thank you. Um, any other questions? Yes, sir. Great question. I was just on a call yesterday um, with our Department of Ag on that issue, trying to figure out what they're hearing. You know, they, they take the lead from US EPA on that, and the news yesterday was we have heard nothing. Um, we have no indication on when they're going to make a decision. If you remember, last year they put out a memo on December 21st. I know because that's my daughter's birthday. <laughs> um, and, and so we had asked forever and ever for that decision to be made by the feds as much in advance as possible. Um, but they are really getting no indication from US EPA other than they're giving them the data that they have. Um, we do have the misuse numbers. They are not as high as they have been in the past, um, but they are still higher than they were before these products were on the market, so that's obviously a concern. Um, from a state level, um, we do anticipate legislative ideas around all of these products, maybe thinking about banning them or whatnot, um, but, but reality today is that we have 
have that state, those state level restrictions that you all saw on a label before. Um, lots of changes with how USC EPA does that. We actually have state regulation right now that locked in those state um, rules. So all of the things that you had in the previous years on temperature and wind speed and cutoff dates, those are all the law of the land in the state of Illinois for now. Good question. Anybody else? I will be around um, all morning, so if you have things you don't want to speak out in front of the crowd, unless they're like Wendell's comment, please just stand up and say it. Um, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to work on these issues um, for you and with you, and they're actually fun for me, as twisted as that is. So um, I appreciate the opportunity to come share. Thank you. Lauren Lurkins with us. You can hear her again this morning on the upcoming FS Ag Roundtable starting at 10 o'clock this morning on WRAM. Again, really appreciate her coming here, traveling here this morning for our breakfast. One last round of applause for Lauren Lurkins. Okay, Mayor Rod Davies, he will do the introductions. We have our three legislators to give us a quick synopsis of what's going on in Springfield. Here you go, Mayor. Thank you, Vanessa. It's always great to be here, and it's also great to see all of us gathering here again. It's wonderful to see we're able to get together and be together. Uh, Vanessa, I also want to take a moment to thank you and everyone at the radio station for uh, broadcasting this event this morning and the Ag Roundtable later this afternoon. It's really important to get that information out about agriculture and how important it is to this region. It's also my honor and my pleasure this morning to welcome our area legislators. We have with us this morning Senator Neil uh, Anderson, and we have uh, Representative Noreen Hammond and Representative Dan Swanson. So if you'll please join me in welcoming, welcoming them, and I think they're gonna give us a, a legislative update today. Thank you. Looks like Senator Anderson drew the short straw. <laughs> Good morning, Thanks, you bet. Good morning, everybody. Uh, as, as crazy as it sounds, as Dan just mentioned walking up, I've, most people right in here, I am the senior one in this area to Dan, which looks odd because I am so much younger than he is. <clears throat> Just kidding, Dan. Um, there is not a whole lot to report for Springfield as we're in, um, we go back to session um, here next month for veto session and then back to our regular session in January. Um, but I'll take this opportunity just to introduce myself. I know I'm a new face to most of you. Um, so I live in Andalusia, Illinois. It's on the west end of Rock Island County, a little river town. Uh, been married for 20 years, have two kids, 18 and 10. and. Um, I currently represent the 36th Senate District, which is Rock Island County, Whiteside County, and little parts of Henry and Carroll. With the redistricting, um, I'll now be representing the 47th Senate District, which goes from where I live in Andalusia down almost to Quincy, all the way over to the Mesa-Menard County line, and then the western third of Tazewell, Peoria, Stark, and some are all of everything in between. So it is now the largest Senate District in the state of Illinois, so I drive a lot. Um, I am a fireman by trade. Um, I'm a fireman in the city of Moline. I've been there for 16 years. 
and uh, I'm a University of Nebraska grad. Um, I, it's getting harder and harder to admit it, but um, I played football there. Uh, it's been a rough few years for our football team, so hopefully we can um, get that on the up and up. Um, growing up, I grew up out on the farm. Uh, grew up working with my grandfather, who was a large animal veterinarian. Um, so I have a lot of agriculture background, uh, mostly uh, when it comes to um, um, livestock. Um, but I am looking forward to this next session and representing the 47th district. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm asking again to be back on the ag committee. Um, my first year, uh, my first um, term in the legislature, I was uh, the minority chair for the Senate ag committee. So um, hopefully going to be back on there, but uh, look forward to meeting all of you. And um, as Noreen and Dan can attest to, um, I'm an open book. Um, you guys ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out and uh, be happy to be happy to help you guys in any way we can. So appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. Oh, here she comes. We need music. Yeah. We have not one but two microphones. And as you, many of you know, um, it's very difficult for me to stand behind a podium because most of them are about as tall as I am. Same is true this morning. Uh, great to be with you this morning. Thank you, Vanessa, and to all of your team for uh, putting this on again. It, it is an incredible opportunity, um, not just for those in our ag community, but um, when I look and I see uh, blue jackets, it makes me smile always. So uh, thank you uh, to everybody that took the time to be here, uh, to our Fair Royalty, congratulations. Um, this is an incredible opportunity for you. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to hone your skills on interviews, uh, social issues, historical issues. So uh, thank you for doing it, and I appreciate it very much. Um, it, is, it is great to be here and, and um, to share a new district with uh, Senator Anderson. I have enjoyed serving with Senator Tracy for many, many years, and um, we all need change in our lives. And um, I, I will tell you that um, I have spent a lot of time with Neil um, even before uh, he was drawn into the same district that I am, but um, I, I think you are in very good hands in the Senate with Senator Anderson. You know, I said that currently I represent all or part of eight counties, and uh, with the new district, I said 12. Well, lo and behold, I found out the other day I have 13. Who knew? I have 24% of one township in Peoria County. Everybody needed that. But um, it is great to be here. Um, as Neil said, we are not currently in session which is always good news, um, particularly when it comes to ag issues. Um, Lauren, thank you for that update. It's, it's always so incredible to hear from you and, and to hear your perspective on things. And we are very blessed to have you in that position. Um, we will be going back for veto session. Um, my understanding is instead of two weeks, it'll just be one week, um, which will be always good news. However, I am hearing um, 
word of a lame duck session in early January. So um, that always means trouble. So we'll see where that goes. We'll just keep, um, keep us in your prayers, if you will. Um, I am very blessed that recently, uh, in the recent months, I was named president for the State Ag and Rural Leaders Group. That is legislators from all 50 states and eight Canadian provinces. I'm also very glad that for the first time, uh, we have a member from California on our board. Um, he claims to be from the Texas part of California. Not quite sure where that is, but um, he brings an interesting perspective to us. So um, we really look forward to working with him as well, Representative Devin Mathis. So um, again, thank you all very much for those of you that are in the field, getting ready to get in the field. I wish you Godspeed and great prosperity, but keep in mind you got a family at home. Thank you very much. Well, thank you everyone. What a, what a great looking crowd. And uh, I always like to, as Noreen mentioned, it's always great to see young people at events like this. It's always great because then that means our next generations know how to do things the right way. As we've shown today with WRAM and, and all those supporting this event and all of you attending here. It, uh, what a great, great day. Before I start, I would just like to uh, take a moment to remind us all what's going on this weekend. You know, 21 years ago today, this Sunday, our nation was attacked. And it changed the lives of many, including me, causing me to go to Iraq for a year. But think of all those, and we saw the, the firemen earlier leave. We thank Senator Anderson for his service on his department. We thank the sheriff. We thank uh, Chief Schweitzer here for what they do, because 21 years ago, it was a different world for all of us. I remember working on the combine on September 12th and for the next several days looking up in the sky and not seeing a single airplane. It changed a lot of our lives. I remember on September 11th coaching a football game, middle school football game, watching Air Force One fly over high, um, tailed by a couple fighter jets. So that's what we're going to be facing this Saturday, Sunday, once again, the memory of that day. I, I, Noreen touched on a little bit legislation. Um, I'm a farmer and some of this legislation really impacts what we do on our operation and I'm sure it affects you. Fortunately, we've been able to beat down some bad legislation attacking our Livestock Facilities Management Act legislation or act in place. Every year we have to fight down somebody who doesn't understand ag. The only thing they understand about meat and farming is they just go to the grocery store and get their meat, they go to the grocery store and get their produce. They forget that it's you and I out there producing this product for them to go to the grocery store. So we constantly have to be on guard for some of the attacks on our farming. Um, last year there was uh, legislation to ban glyphosate, totally ban it. Not be able to buy it, not be able to sell it, not be able to use it, not even allow it to cross state borders. Same thing with dicamba. Legislation last year in the House and the Senate to do away with dicamba. As a producer, how many of us walked bean fields and pulled milkweeds years ago, right? Now we can't, I mean milkweeds are the protected, 
for their monarchs. But things have changed that much. It, it's, it's going to be hard to adjust if we lose glyphosate or dicamba products. Um, I talked about the Livestock Facilities Management Act, the legislation to do away with uh, the practices we do in that. And, and the Illinois EPA was at my farm three or four times to, to inspect as we built that building. And you mentioned the EPA being out. Well, they were out at our farm just a year ago. And uh, everything was fine, but they came out. And it makes you nervous when people in suit coats walk in your, your kitchen door and say, hey, I'm here to help. So as we move forward, um, Noreen touched on a little bit, we've got some great looking crops out there. I know some places didn't get the rains that other places did, but it's still going to be a valuable crop this year. We're going to spend a little more time setting our combines, we're going to spend a little more time on our operations. But as we spend that extra time, don't let it get in the way of your patience. We've got to be careful. This big equipment, we can lose hands, fingers, arms, and lives in a matter of seconds. And I say that not only to you as the producers, but I say that to those people following our combines, following our tractors, following our grain carts, following the semis. I wish I could drive my combine 55 mile an hour down the road, but I can't. So be patient as we travel these roads too. And so you know, have a safe harvest. And I would like to end with a, a joke here if I could. Any golfers in here? Any golfers? Okay, well, a few of you can relate to this then. Two old golfers went on the golf course, 90 years old. Went out there, and the first golfer turns to the second golfer and said, you know, I'm 90 years old. My vision's not what it used to be. So he said, when I hit my ball, can you watch for it? The other 90-year-old guy said, you bet you. He said, my vision's as good as today as it was when I was 20 years old. I'll watch for your ball. Guy hits the ball, crack, out it goes. He turns to the other guy, he says, well, he said, you see where my ball went? He said, yeah, I did see it where it go, where it went. So where'd it go? I forgot. <laughs> so thank you very much. Have a great day and be safe. Thank you, Representative Dan Swanson, Noreen Hammond, and Senator Neil Anderson. If you guys would do me the honor of giving me a chance to recognize my amazing staff. Um, all of this happens because of their hard work. Uh, it's, it's not me, it's them. So Mike Weaver, our ops manager. Thank you, Mike. Sean Temple can hear you. He's back at the station producing the best sports director ever, Mr. Sean Temple. Kelsey Crane, Communications Manager. Thank you, Kelsey. Mark Richardson with us from our sales team. Thank you, Mark. Elena Alleman, our newest member of the team, is our ag correspondent. Thank you, Elena. Mr. Caden Rogers, who also was an intern, now also hired with us as a news correspondent. And sports, thank you, Caden. And Mr. Lauren Fulmer, who's back at the station answering phones and watching for those who are coming in. And Jack Toll back at the station. So that's my staff. They're wonderful. Thank you guys for all that you do for us. All right. Finally, um, special recognition. Farmers, I know you're listening. I've got a number of texts from you this morning. Chose to listen on the radio, do your chores. Uh, thank you, safety first. We'll be talking a lot about farm safety uh, in the next few weeks, but we hope your crops are good. And uh, big recognition, big thank you to our farmers who feed the world. 
All right, ladies, you want to come on up? Shall we start doing this? Uh, Mark's got the fishbowl. Has everyone registered for prizes, or are you holding on to a registration slip? Now we're going to time Mark, see how fast he can get from there to here. <laughs> how you doing, Malia? I'm good. How are you? How's the fair going so far? Very busy. We were all talking about what a late night it was last night. <laughs> Well, we're so glad that you're here. All right, we're going to start with you, ladies, um, and also the Warren County Fair Queens. If you'll come on this side, we're going to rotate fast and furious. Mike, you want to start pulling the names here, buddy? 